Welcome to the Marketing Automation Discussion. Here's your host, my dad. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Marketing Automation Discussion. I'm your host, Alex Glenn, and today I have the pleasure of a follow-up conversation with a previous guest of ours, none other than Jessica Manasian, the founder of Magnetic Hype. Last week, Jessica and I were chatting about how her clients and colleagues go about building and hiring for the management of their future tech stacks. What pain points, mistakes, dilemmas her and I see and experience most often. Needless to say, we agreed it needed to be recorded for the public. So in a few minutes, you will hear Jessica and I review what factors you are more than likely not considering before you start a new MarTech build for your organization, what examples of MarTech operations go wrong and why, how to properly prepare your team and leadership for a new MarTech build project, and how to decide between hiring to fill needs around MarTech projects versus outsourcing to a consultant or an agency. Jessica and I have dealt with dozens of these projects in our careers. Jessica has over 50 projects under her belt just last year, so she is the ideal person to have this conversation with. It's long, but I assure you every minute is valuable if you are undergoing a tech stack change or about to. So without further delay, let's get started answering the question, how do you go about building the MarTech stack for the future of your organization? The marketing automation discussion. Jessica, welcome back. You have some updates since we last spoke. So let's go ahead and start there. All right. Well, it's really nice to be back, Alex. Thank you so much. As you said, we went through a rebranding, Magnetic Hype. We basically wanted to give not only our website, but everything about us just a refresh, make it easier for people to ultimately make decisions about what they wanted as part of our team. And uh, we will be at Adobe Summit 2019 in the end of March. We're looking forward to seeing a lot of new faces and just syncing up with our cl current clients as well. So I wanted to prepare for that. And for our listeners, if you haven't listened to the first episode where Jessica and I talk about scaling the data side of the stack, that is a great episode. So definitely check that out earlier in the podcast and I'll link to it in the notes. Today, we have more exciting stuff. We're going to go pretty in depth around how to actually scale the MarTech team. So the people in your organization, as well as out of your organization that are going to A, build the stack that you're going to rely on in the future and manage that stack. So the operations that are involved with marketing automation, with CRM, with the data flows, et cetera, et cetera. So that's what we're going to talk about. It is one of the biggest pain points that both Jessica and I deal with is the, these decisions around personnel and making the best possible decisions as you scale your organization. That's what we're going to talk about today. The first thing we're going to do, we have a couple of articles that we'll link to in the notes that are relevant to today's topic. And the title of the article that I shared with you, Jessica, is Build a Solid Foundation for Your MarTech in 2019 by Andy Betts. And this was published three days ago at the time of this recording. It was published on March 5th. So hyper relevant. And it is all about how you address the discussion of MarTech today and the big pain points around choosing technology and what other organizations are doing with their MarTech team as far as allocation of resources. But one thing I will point out, it does not mention the phasing of your MarTech team as well as the stack that you're going to sit on. So while it's a really great article, I definitely think we are going to fill the gaps a little bit here today and talk about some of the things around building at phases. I think it was just the initial stat that gets called out. I'm a big stat person, big research person. So in the article, it talked about how organizations are now spending 29% of their total marketing expense budget on technology. That's a big chunk. And I was reading an article just five years ago. That number was way lower. It was more like 12%. 
So it it's almost doubled or more than doubled in five years, the spend on technology. That was something that really stood out to me. I think there was another one in there, 74% of enterprise organizations. MarTech is primarily managed by marketing. And in 26% of these cases, there's a dedicated MarTech leader. Not so much surprising to me, but um, for some of the people listening, uh, depending on what phase you are in the building of your team, that could be a little bit surprising. So as we go forward, and uh, the main purpose of this discussion is really helping you, the listener, if you have a team, a company, maybe you are a part of a team, really understand the importance of having the right brains involved in that tech stack, the marketing tech stack, and thinking of it a little bit differently than maybe how it was thought of either in the earlier stages of your business. So it's very interesting times, especially where you're sitting. For sure. I mean, it, it's just crazy to think like 74% of the ultimate organization of MarTech is managed by marketing. I mean, that that's just a huge amount of dedication and, and resources and personnel. It's really exciting to see, especially for you and I, because we work in this industry. So it's exciting to see it being taken more seriously. But it also brings up, this is why we're having a conversation today because so much dedication is given to it, but may not enough thought is given to it as well. Exactly. And it becomes convoluted when you involve all of the departments. <laughs> yeah. There are many players that need to be involved in these decisions. And as your organization grows, it only gets more and more complex. So there's committees that need to be developed around marketing automation and your tech stack decision-making that not only involve technology leaders like your heads of engineering, but also your heads of sales and your heads of marketing, of course. So you develop these sort of committees. And we're going to talk more about that before we get into the main bulk of the discussion today to kind of tee this up a little bit better and to help the listeners understand and put themselves in the shoes that they may not be in today and help them kind of clarify the major pain points and the real breadth of the question that we're going to help answer today. Let's go through these factors and maybe we'll just alternate reading off the factors to consider while building or putting together your stack management team personnel, not just the stack. So there's obviously the big ones, the time frame, your budget, but what are a couple that people may not be considering? You don't know what you don't know. There's so much about the technology when you're hiring for it that you may never have used or worked with. You don't even know the functionality. So you're trying to go out and find the best expert you can, and you don't even know the questions you should be asking. I think that's definitely a big factor that comes up when you're building a stack is you should know something about what you're hiring for. And if you don't, then you need to find someone who does. Yes. I'll just snowball that into the honesty aspect of it. So everybody in those whiteboard sessions, in those rooms, in those committees, everybody has their internal biases. Everybody came from this stack or this organization or this process. Um, and everybody has an ego and everybody wants their voice heard. Um, so it's really important and very difficult to get the right thought processes and the right sort of voices into that discussion. You may think this tool is the best for your industry because you came from a great organization that was successful that happened to use that tool or that stack. Um, and that's what you go with, or that's what you mention as your vote if you are in that committee, in that organization, but that may not be the best. So you don't know what you don't know, do the research. Yeah. You bring up such a good point that people think technology is going to run itself. We get caught up in that sales cycle where the salesperson's telling us all the bells and whistles of, a, of the platform of AI and machine learning, whatever it might be in MarTech. And it sounds like it's going to run itself. So you bring up a really good point that nothing runs itself. You need people to run it. So thank you for bringing that up. That's a big thing. That's a big factor. I mean, we get caught up in, in, in the sales. We do. We think it's going to solve all our problems. Yep. I would say uh, another big one sounds simple enough, but geography and your CTO, CMO, CEO's opinions on distributed teams. So if you are in an area where there's not a lot of tech talent, just being in that area, and your CEO, CMO, CTO, or whoever's making the decisions around this MarTech team are not interested or willing to hire a virtual team member, 
that's going to cause you problems. So definitely consider that while you're building this team, whether or not you can have a distributed member of the team, that's something to consider early on. Then you had one here that you listed in our notes um, about biases. Why don't you mention that one? I think it's very important. Sometimes people can bring their bad habits with them into a totally new industry and into a totally different sized team. So one platform might work really well in one industry with a small team, but it might not work well in a different industry with a very big enterprise team. You know, let's get real. Biases do happen and they have to stop. Think about starting new. You get you get an opportunity to start fresh, create your perfect team, your perfect MarTech team. You had a great anecdote that seems to happen a lot. When we go into a client and we sit down, we'll be at a table with, with the client and their client will have their existing partners and their existing vendors. It'll be a room of like 50 different people, all from different agencies. And every time we do this, someone will make a joke, oh, vendors and partners don't play nice together. And that's a mindset that has to change because we do play nice together. Partners play nice together because ultimately we're all there to make the company better. And we're usually doing very different things for the company. But it's true. We all have to be involved with each other because we need to know what they're doing to make sure we're doing it to enhance everyone else. The playing nice thing, I've heard that like, oh, play nice when you walk into a room. Like there's going to be some kind of brawl going on, like a vendor brawl. I, I think it'd be like a nice cartoon for MarTech. I hear it a lot. <laughs> As a CEO, I do. Yeah, and this falls back on leadership to make sure the people that are internal to the organization, as well as the outside vendors, everybody knows what aspects of what you're going to use, what type of process vendor outsourced XYZ for, and uh, that should alleviate some of those problems or nip them in the bud. Oh, definitely. Yeah, expectations help a lot. So those are the factors to consider while putting your stack management team together. I'll just list them off. Budget, time frame, the big ones. Um, you don't know what you don't know. So make sure that you are honest about what you don't know and really look to someone who does know. Um, AI and ML, what aspects of the stack are those going to play a role in and who is going to be the big chief decision maker around utilization of those AI and ML features, components, or processes within your stack, which internal teams and stakeholders need to be the owners of the data and the liaisons of the data between cross-departmental data liaisons, if you will. Geography, if you are in a place that does not have MarTech talent, how are you going to hire and scale your MarTech operations? And especially if your CEO, CTO, CMO are against having distributed teams. Same thing with regards to consultants and agencies. If your CEO, CMO, CTO are unwilling to work with consultants or agencies for certain aspects, certain processes, know that uh, before you get into this decision-making mode. And then finally, inherent biases around partners, around vendors, around how those two interact with each other while you're building your stack. And of course, inherent biases around the types of technology that each individual decision maker is coming from. Those are the factors to consider. Jessica, why don't you do the honors of mentioning the main question that we're going to answer in this episode for everybody listening? Okay. Drum roll, please. It's a million dollar question. The question that we're going to be working on answering for the rest of our time together is how do you go about building out your future stack with consideration around the points we just mentioned? So how do you do it? That's what we're going to be doing. A million dollar question. A million dollar question. It's not an easy one. And I feel very privileged to have you with me to help answer this. Um, where I can play a... Uh, role in this discussion is going through some stuff that I've done recently that kind of helps illustrate how you can sit in a room with a team and go through sort of the thought processes. So I'll do that in a bit. But first, let's say this, let's say your current stack, and we're just going to come up with some blanket statements here. Your current stack is more or less your old 
stack. As you scale and as you grow, your stack changes. So whatever you're on now, if you plan to be a large organization, it is your old stack, especially if you plan to be around for five plus years. So now you need to make some critical decisions simultaneously around technology and personnel to manage this stack. So Jessica, why don't you go through your favorite example? We have three dimension here. So start with your favorite example and uh, sort of the anecdote or the use case or the situation that some of our listeners may be in that you've seen and experienced. For what I've experienced most often, especially in the partner space of MarTech, is the example of you have a team that's been with you since the beginning and uh, you task them with the stack rebuild and they don't know anything about this new stack. And it's like dropping them off into the middle of the ocean. And I know there's people out there listening that they've been in that situation where they're getting pulled out of one position into another to build a MarTech stack and they've never done it. So that's something that I've seen a lot, and that's definitely a scenario that hopefully will resonate with a lot of people. I would agree with that. I've seen that a few times. Now, uh, the one that I've seen most often is where leadership has all been involved in a previous tech stack. So if you have been involved in a previous tech stack and you're in an organization and you're talking about revamping your tech stack or building the tech stack of the future, chances are you've gone through product market fit and you've been around for let's just say at least a year at minimum. If you're talking to leadership that has these preconceived biases of the former stack that they've used and had success with and bringing that discussion to the table, chances are that stack was five or so years ago. So by that time, it's irrelevant in today's discussion and it should not be pushed onto the team. And I've been involved in a lot of situations where leadership has their preconceived best stack that they've used at a former organization and they call up their old representatives at Sid Software, ask for the best possible deal, and they still have great connections, and they get a great deal, and they sign a 12-month contract, and all of a sudden, as a marketing leader, the CMO, VP of marketing, what have you, or the head of technology, they all of a sudden have this piece of software that they now have to build the tech stack around or even a couple pieces of software that were pushed onto them from a leader in that organization that simply used it and loved it at a previous organization. So that is an example that you may be in at the current time or hopefully are not about to be in. And I believe we have one more, Jessica. Why don't you say the last one? The one you just mentioned is a juicy one. That's a juicy one because that that happens a lot. The the second one or the last one that um we'll go through is that you've hired a lead marketer and this person um, doesn't know the business well enough. And so they come in, guns blaring, ready to go, and they're still getting their feet settled on solid ground. And there's a lot that can go wrong there, especially when you're building out your stack. So I've seen that a lot where people come in and they're really excited to get started. We were even just talking about this, they're really excited to get started and uh, they need to take the time to get to know the business ultimately before they start building out the stack. I know you have some ideas around that for sure. I'm Yeah, and I'm guilty of this one on multiple counts. This is something where when you have someone with my personality- No, really? And it's <laughs> oftentimes very difficult to sit back and really take the time necessary to fully envelop yourself in the organization and learn everything that you need to learn before you can start to make those tech stack decisions or important tech stack decisions, especially if you're revamping the tech stack. This is the example where you have a new hire that's on the leadership team, and it may be their responsibility as that new marketing leader to build out the new version of the stack, but they kind of rush into it and it creates more of a distraction than is necessary at that time. So if that is you and you're like me and you have been in this situation before, take a step back take the time to learn what's going on in the organization and start at the lowest level possible and work your way up as if you've never done it before. Always kind of have that ability to drop your ego at the door and consider yourself a lay person when you walk in and, and that will help you decide the best possible course of action for developing that stack. Now, what I want to do here is talk about a thought exercise. So 
I would ask you this, Jessica. I mean, you've been in, involved in these rooms where by the time they reach out to you, they know they have a pain point. They know they have a need. But I would ask you, what are some typical processes to decide on personnel for their tech stack management? The first thing they do is they choose the stack, which we'll, we'll talk more about and like the right way to do this. But I'll just talk about what I've seen in enterprise. And then we'll talk about why that might not always be the best route of, or course of action. So what they do is they'll choose their stack first or their technology first, and then they'll scramble to find, try to find somebody that knows how to build it, that knows how to use it, whether that's internal or external, they're scrambling at that point. This thought exercise that you're going to go through really then becomes the ability for you to have that crystal ball in front of you and say, I don't want to make the mistake that other people have made. I want to actually build a team that's the best team I can for MarTech, for my stack. Just to recap, you've been approached by clients who are oftentimes in the situation where they're scrambling to find somebody to hand off the responsibility. Yeah, new responsibilities. It's a terrible thing to watch people go through that too, just on a personal level, like CEO to CEO, it's really hard to watch someone scramble and be that feeling that out of control with their business. So we don't want people doing that. This is why the thought exercise is so cool. It won't happen if you just do these four things. All right. So now that you've heard a few examples of when it goes wrong, and hopefully have a better understanding of why in those three situations in particular, it did go wrong. So we want to avoid that. So I want to do my best to articulate a thought exercise for you real quick. And if you do not want to listen to it, you can just head to automated.af and search for thought exercise or just click the link in the show notes if you're on the podcast channel and review the visuals that I've created around this thought exercise. This is very important. And this is what I love to do with teams where you get everybody that needs to be involved in the new tech stack decision-making process in a room and you really hash out what you need and why you need it and what you're going to do about those needs. And this is a really great thought exercise. What it does is it really makes people think and forces those biases out. And that's what's really important with marketing automation, specifically around technology. You do not want biases involved. I know that sounds impossible, but you want to try to flush those out and egos as well. You want to keep those at the door. So this thought process, I love, and it goes a little something like this. So you book two meetings with the team, the committee that are going to be involved in building out this future tech stack. Meeting one, you're going to have a whiteboard. You're going to list out four columns and you are going to go around the committee, ask them the questions and list out the answers in those four columns. Column number one is all about the future state, the processes, the strategies, and listing out exactly what's going to happen that is not happening today. So you can call this column processes hyphen strategy, something like that. And you're going to list out everything that's not going on today that you are going to be doing with regards to marketing technology in the future. And that's everything from data, new types of messaging, new channels that you're going to spin up, new types of processes, all of that. That's going to go in column one. Column two, you are going to list out the team that you have now. And then next to each one of those team members, what they are good at or what they are going to cover in your mind, processes of the future state. Column number three, you're going to list out the tools that you're going to have that you have now that you're going to keep. So you may not fully realize what your new tech stack is going to be. And that's what this thought exercise is for. But list out the tools that you know that you cannot rip out. And this could be stuff like your procurement software or your data provider, um, any of these types of tools. You're going to keep those. Those are going to be a part of your tech stack going forward. And that's SaaS included in this and uh, subscriptions as well. So you're going to list out all those tools. And then in column four, you're going to look at the previous three columns and you're going to make a list of things that are unaccounted for. So you have all of these new future processes in column one, and then you have the people that are controlling current processes. And then you have a little bit of unfilled list of needs that you can put into column four. So now you know what you need to account for as you go through this build. And that's taking into account column three, the tools that are um, going to be continuing to be used. And so you have this deficit in column four. 
Now that should take care of the first meeting. Everybody's had their opinions. You all are on the same page around that column four, that list of what you, you need. And now you want to take that list into a next meeting and the meeting could be the next day, make it pretty shortly after that first meeting. So the topic's really fresh. Now what you need to do is create three columns on the board and you have that list of all of the unaccounted for tasks that you need to cover. And in column one, that is going to be a list of everything you need to hire for. And that's an internal role, whether it's full-time or part-time, that's a hire. Column two is your consultants, anything that you can use freelancers or short-term consultants for. And then column number three is your agencies. So who's going to be sort of ongoing agency type of relationships, right? What tasks are going to go under there? And you're going to take that list of all your unfilled needs and you're going to create index cards for each list or sticky notes, or you're just going to rewrite them on the board. But what you want to do is pull out that first task and say, okay, well, here's a task. It is data enrichment or it is copywriting or whatever it is. And we don't have this covered. It's uh, not something we have the skills for on the current team. So we need to either find a contractor or a freelancer. We need to hire someone to do that, or we need to go to an agency. And you get everybody in that committee's opinions, and you decide mutually where that card or that task should be written, which column, right? So you're going to move that task into a column, and you're going to do that with all of the tasks unaccounted for with the future state of your marketing. Now, what this does is show you a pretty clear picture of where everybody's opinions are and what you guys have decided as a committee, whether you should hire, go to an agency, or find a freelancer on up. This is a very important exercise to do before you start the tech stack building process because it'll give you sort of that inventory and that high-level look at resource allocation for this new technology stack project, which is very important. And you can do this for all departments as well if you're looking at scaling some financial operations or needing to scale financial operations and just kind of getting everything going. And you need to make sure that you have everything accounted for. This thought exercise is great for just about any of those types of departments. But in our situation, we want to focus on MarTech. And that is why we have this discussion with the team that is deciding around the tech stack. Now, again, everybody is going to have their own opinions. But if you approach it like this systematically, you involve everybody in this discussion from start to finish so they know exactly what you have, what assets you have, what you don't have, what you need to hire for, find outside of the organization. And then you have everybody's opinion on whether or not you should hire or outsource, uh, find a freelancer, etc. That is something that will give you so many benefits and help you in so many ways leading into this very potentially costly process of building out your MarTech. So it's a very valuable aspect of the business. It's something you don't want to get wrong and you want to make sure you have everything accounted for before you go into that discussion. So this is a thought exercise that you can do with the committee that's going to be responsible for this MarTech build internally. And this way you have flushed out all the biases. Everybody is on the same page with what you have versus what you're missing. And everybody's gotten their opinions on whether or not you should see a consultant or go to an agency or hire for that specific task or that set of tasks. And that is what's most important. Everybody is really in sync at this point. Now you can go into your MarTech build with some confidence and with some clarity and with some unity. And I think that's super important. So I'll digress at this point. If you need a visual, head to the site, click in the, in the show notes and the link for the thought exercise or head to automated.af and search thought exercise and look at that visual. So now that you have this thought exercise done and you may have a hefty list under the agency and the consultancy column, you want to go ahead and start the process of finding that consultancy, or you believe you need to start that process. So Jessica, let's start there. Let's start with how they can find the best consultancy agency for their stack, and maybe a timeline and when is appropriate to go ahead and look to an agency. So I feel this conversation is great because it's, Let's break it down. 29%, like we said, of your budget is going to go just to technology. And we have to do a mind shift here. 
We have to see technology as an extension of our team. We have to almost see it as our team member. So that's the first part of this strategy is instead of seeing technology as this thing that lives within our organization and we barely collaborate with it or touch it, it just functions on its own. We have to change our minds. We have to see it as a team member. So that's the first thing to the strategy. And then ultimately, great teams start with great people. It's true. If you have good people working with you and for you, it's going to make everything a lot easier. So our recommendations, and Alex and I have talked about this so many times, we were emailing, we were chatting. It's always get an expert to do your hiring. Ask an expert, get an agency to help, get a recruiting arm to help. You don't know what you don't know. It came up again. That's the strategy. Get an expert. That's the number one strategy. You build a good team by asking other experts to help you hire the best people. Uh, as, just as a story, I have clients all the time asking me who I know because they want to hire a full-time person. So they're doing it right. They're, they're asking an expert for that technology. Who do you know? Who, who's looking for an opportunity? And how do you like them you know, as, as an employee? And then the second team, the, the second thing about your strategy is it always just depends on how large your team is and how long a project's going to go. We talk a lot about timeline and budget. So that comes up in strategy as well. Now, for smaller teams, you probably will just do a lot of in-house work as much as possible. For larger teams, you're probably going to have a mix of all three, internal, agency, consultants, all working together. And ultimately, if your projects are going to last for a long time, you want a full-time person in that seat. But if your projects are going to last for a little bit of time, you probably just want to invest in an agency to help you get off the ground and then get to that point where then you're asking the expert to help you hire a full-time person. But yeah, always ask an expert. That's the strategy. <laughs> That's it. That's what it comes down to. I don't know, Alex, what do you think? It's a tough situation as a head of marketing where you are leaned on to know everything. And in today's environment, it is impossible to know everything. Ooh, stereo. I know. It's true. I mean, think about it. There's no way you can know everything. And like you said, leave your ego at the door. And uh, there are people out there that are smarter than you. And that's okay. There's always going to be someone smarter than you. And you have to use them as your mind bank, and also your resource bank for building out your perfect team. It becomes a tough discussion, and this is why we're doing this episode. So let's do this. <laughs> let's talk to the heads of marketing or heads of operations or heads of technology that are tasked with these difficult decisions around choosing a tech stack and give them some ammunition for dealing with their CEOs who are leaning on them to just do it themselves. And part of that ammunition is in this thought exercise where you've got to get everybody in a room and you've got to look at brass tacks in visual format. Here are the things that we are short on. Here are the things that are coming with regards to the strategy that we've picked out. Now you go through the thought exercise and that will help open your CEO's eyes and ears up to the major issues that you cannot have solved given the team that you have or the major questions that you cannot answer given the team that you have. And you almost want to sort of do this in a processed way so that it doesn't have to be your decision to go out of house and find someone like Jessica to help you with these decisions. It almost is forced when you go through that thought exercise where there is no other answer besides going and finding the expert. That's what I would say if we can give you anything as the head of marketing or head of operations or head of technology. Right, the right person. Yeah, definitely. This is how it, it's going to work or play out. Either you're going to get the right person in that seat because you used an expert and you look like a hero right? You asked the expert, you found the person. They might even not even know that you reached out to an expert. You found the person as a CEO or a CMO. So you look like a hero with that person sitting in the seat for a long time. Or you can go out there and scan LinkedIn, Facebook, anywhere, right? All these different career sites and try to figure out who you want to hire. And they may not stick around for a long time. So you're left not looking like a hero at the end of the day. So I agree. It's 
it might be hard to take that step and ask someone that might know the industry more than you do at that moment or might know more people than you do, but it's all about networking and it all comes back around and it's all going to be good in the end. And you don't even have to say like, I use somebody to find this person. You can just be like, I hired this rock star team member. What do you think? It could just be as simple as that. Yeah. And I think a big thing here is as a professional, you need to put yourself in a position to force yourself to really learn. And in that learning process, whether it's you getting taught by a consultant like Jessica or you going about learning it on your own, that process of learning that new tech stack or going through the demos and hearing all of the options, that is going to make you a much more valuable asset to the organization. And then the other side of that is once you go through and build out this new tech stack, not leaning on what you know, you are going to have something that was built for your strategy and for your organization and not something that you just brought in from the past. Right, exactly. It's not letting technology drive strategy, but strategy drive technology. And as a CEO or a CMO coming into a company, building a team, you have to remember that. When I first was building my team, I had a lot of people that I already knew from seven years back that were doing great things in the industry. So it was really easy for me to hire people. And it should always be like that, where you pick a technology because it matches your strategy and what you're going for. And then you know somebody who has hands deep into the industry and they have a great pool of people that you can pull from. And it's, it's, not a, it's not a bad thing to ask for help. I think it shows that you want to create the best team and the smartest team you can. Because like you said, you can't know everything. That was very valuable to the marketers, uh, the people that are going to be running and, and building these tech stacks out, but also the CEOs definitely want to talk to the CEOs listening and make sure that they understand the downsides of putting that pressure on the head of the stack to do something that they are most familiar with. That I've seen it happen countless times, and it is rarely the uh, end all be all best, even if it is a shorter time to fully onboard, which is what they like, it is pigeonholing the organization and it's not putting you in the best position to scale. And if you really put yourself in the, the future state of the organization, what ends up happening oftentimes, if you do lean on that former stack that you brought in from your old organization, do not hire a consultant to help you build out what's new. The future state is having to rip that out and rebuild again. Now, where, Jessica, is this all going? Then we'll talk about the final recommendations for how to build that team for the future. So where this all goes ultimately is that sometimes you do need to ask for help and it's not a shame to do it. And you can reach out to any kind of recruiting industry that works with the technology you're hiring for, or even people that you know, like business owners and ask them, have you talked to so-and-so? What do you think? And that's where it's ultimately going, this conversation, is just start talking to people. Got it. This scenario that we're in right now where companies are starting to realize that the marketing team is going to look different and it's going to be more focused on what is the technology that underpins every operation in marketing. And I'll just say this, I mean, it's, it's a strong future state right now where marketing as a role is less about the traditional understanding of the outside world and more of an understanding of processes and the technology that's necessary to execute those processes efficiently. That's where marketing is going. So this is a very big decision around the team that is going to run your tech stack. So let's talk about that. Let's talk about the ideal team and what that is constructed of and what are the end-all, be-all future states of, of the marketing operational team so we can leave them with that. That sounds good. So a perfect team really has everything going for it. It has great collaboration, great synergy, great leadership. Okay, so that is just team 101. But your MarTech team is a team that everybody knows exactly the technology that they're working with, how to develop, how to build, how to strategize for it, 
how to do data science. You have a team that's set up for the future success of the business. And ultimately, when you decide to go on the MarTech technology avenue for future, you have to think about this technology being around for a very long time. So hiring people that you think are going to be with the company for five years or more is really important. And I know people leave companies like every year, six months. It's just people move on. But think about if you could make someone so incredibly happy and give them exactly what they need when it comes to technology and they feel very valued and they stick around for a long time. That's That would be the best team possible, a team that stays with you and your technology because you made the right decision up front with the people and technology right from the get-go. Can you mention the technology leading decisions versus uh, personnel decisions versus personnel leading technology decisions? Reiterate that real quick. Ultimately, you want to be able to not just plop down a stack and be like, okay, everyone build it. Now you do it. And it shouldn't be a surprise. It should be, you shouldn't be scrambling looking for people. So you should make a decision on your technology, like what we're saying. You get everyone into the same room, you pick your best technology, your pros and your cons, your weaknesses and your strengths for that technology. Um, and then you find the people. But it's not like you scramble for it because you just bought the technology and you need someone in that seat. So all these decisions happen before. Got it. And uh, the emphasis on strategy, understanding really what is going to happen, then backing that into who you have now that can help execute the new processes. And then you have stuff left on the table. That stuff is inherent in the new future state of the stack, what that new stack is going to have to lift for you and do. Then you start to develop the stack around that future state of the company's operations based on the strategy. Then, and only then, is when you start to make some key decisions around hiring versus consultancy versus obviously the agency. And what we see a lot these days and what works really well, if we can kind of timeline this out, let's say hypothetically, the first month is really understanding your needs and your goals around the strategy that is something only you and your business partners and the team itself can provide, where you're going to go, your goals, et cetera. And then once you really understand what you need to get done and where your shortcomings are with regards to the personnel, that is when you bring on a consultant to start helping you understand what different stacks will look like in your industry and in your vertical. So this consultant has experience if you're B2C, scaling B2C organizations with technology, your B2B obviously, and you have that consultant really help you understand what different stacks look like and what the company would look like as far as the org chart if you did have a team running this stack. But once you have that person and you've agreed with their opinions and their feedback, that person can really be a partner for you in the construction of not only the tech stack, but helping to find the right talent to fill the seats and manage that tech stack. So they're with you and they're working side by side with your team to really make those tough decisions, finalize contracts, start the building process. And then what we've seen oftentimes is there are management agencies that sit and cover certain operational goals and alleviate a lot of that burden from the team. So tell me where you see sort of that timeline changing and what people are involved at what stage of the timeline. And that should be a good place to leave everyone. Timeline is simple. That initial lift and shift of your technology should really be with a partner agency that you trust, that initial lift and shift. And then once you figure out exactly the future of that technology and where you want to go based on strategy, then you can really hire someone. And you can even ask the agency who they know or if they know a really good recruiting agency like a managed service to come in and help you as well. And, and, then, and then you're building a team based on what you've decided, what you have, and what's going to make everyone the happiest. I like happy people, especially happy employees. That's my favorite. 
And would you recommend these larger stacks? Do they have a technology partner that is helping with management day-to-day as an agency? Or uh, what do you see working really well? Oh, absolutely. Yeah, we have a few clients that use us full-time. A few of the consultants that I have are full-time on the contract. And it's day-to-day. Day-to-day, they, they have an ex- external partner that works with their stack day-to-day. And it's really that eyes over the shoulder of their employees. It's not that their employees don't know what they're doing. They know what they're doing. They're just so in-depth into that one platform and that one business that the agency can see what they're doing based on thousands of other agencies or thousands of other platforms and what they're doing. So yeah, I've I've definitely seen in bigger enterprises where a partner team, a consulting team stays on full-time. And we're seeing that even more in the SMB and and startup space. I know. That's really exciting. I love SMB and startups because it is just crazy. It's wild. It's like the Wild West. And if you can get a consultant, an expert in there full-time, then you're really going to produce great work and you're really going to create a great team because at least you have someone helping to train your team the right way. When you can't, they can. And that's that's the beauty of it. And um, this is where the timeline is really important to understand because um, I would say each agency does have obviously their inherent skill sets and their biases around those skill sets. So if you do bring on the agency that you envision helping you manage the stack ongoing before you have really made those tough decisions around the stack, that can also be the similar sort of downside of getting that bias into the picture too early and not making the best decision because that agency would push you to a stack that they are they are comfortable running or uh, you know uh, actually sell services around. So that's something that I would stress just be careful around that and if you are used to using sort of PPC agency the good analogy that I always see is imagine if you have never set up a PPC campaign before you may use a consultant to help you with the strategy and the initial setup and then once it's going tested and you have something really running, you'll look to an agency to scale those efforts. Very true. Yeah. Our our team or my team and myself, when you decide to go with a partner agency that is certified, that are experts, you get what you pay for. And ultimately, we become part of your team, hopefully in the long run. Awesome. So what we have here is our opinions. They are still opinions, unfortunately, but um, I'd say the good, the bad, and the ugly with regards to building out your marketing tech team, the personnel that are going to run your stack, when and how and why you bring in experts into that discussion, and what are the real options around scaling that system. You, of course, can hire for it, but these days especially, it's convoluted, so you need help is the main takeaway, and you want to make sure that you're making the best decision because if you make the wrong decision, it is very costly. So pay what you need to pay up front to make sure that you have a tech stack that you can lean on for the long term or at least as long as possible and you are making the right decisions around personnel and making them in the right order. Those are some takeaways. Anything else that I missed, Jessica, wouldn't you give them the main takeaways one more time so we can really hammer those home? The main takeaway is talk to an expert. Get yourself involved with a recruiting team or a management service team that you trust and that you can ask questions about. You can even ask them, what kind of questions should I be asking this potential candidate? What are the best questions to make sure that they actually know this technology, that they're going to align with my company goal, with even my company's brand? So ultimately, it's just reiterating what you said. Ask an expert, ask a recruiting firm, and get creative. You know, Don't always ask the same questions every single time when you're looking for hiring candidates. Get help with all aspects of hiring and you'll be golden. I love it. And we did forget to mention one thing, so I may move this section up a little bit, but where to go and how to actually find those experts. Mm-hmm. Well, an example of a company, a recruiting company that I really trust for even Marketo and Salesforce for just MarTech technology is Mason and Frank. They're 
they're great. They're international and they can provide you a great pool of candidates. But if you're just searching online, you can literally type in like MarTech recruiting agencies and just started doing your research on how many people know them, how many people have used them. Ask around. If, if you are a CMO or a CEO, ask other business owners who they use and what they've done when they're hiring. I mean, referrals are key to hiring people. And I will say this, coming downstream a little bit, I mean, I think that works really well, these MarTech recruitment agencies for the enterprise level stacks. If you have more of a general stack um, or you aren't quite at that phase in your business where you can consider yourself in need of an enterprise level stack, you may not have an agency like Mason and Frank that deals with the types of tools and the types of people that you need. So you need a little bit more flexibility. You need someone that's more of a generalist. When you're in that situation, I would definitely recommend going and looking for the consultants, uh, the agencies that deal with a lot of businesses in your space and doing a couple of things, you can go and you can actually put processes back on the agency to find out who they have to help you with those processes. So these are SMB agencies, startup agencies that may ne not necessarily be classified as a marketing automation agency. Maybe they're a little more general, but what you're going to do is you're going to put these types of tasks back on the agency. And what will inevitably happen is people at that agency will know someone who has the experience that you need and they can go ahead and give you that referral. So you're not necessarily going to them to find that placement, but you're going to them with some tasks that they don't do. And those people get involved in so many situations with different companies that they don't have the processes or the people to help, but they want to retain that business on one side or another. Also look towards the groups that are around the actual hub tool that you use. So if your hub is maybe intercom or copper or one of these really robust tools that you know you're going to have for a while you can get involved in the forums in the communities and you can pull really good experts out of those communities another thing that you can do is search for the processes plus the tools that you know are going to be a really big part of your day-to-day -day operation. It could be around doing a lot of cold outreach. This could be around doing a lot of work inside your hub tool and what that particular process may look like and kind of put those keywords back out into search and into the communities and the forums. And what you'll find is hopefully an expert that is available for hire or at least available for a large contract that can help you put best practices that they've implemented at another company in based on your tech stack. So it's a little bit difficult for SMB companies to find these people and these experts because it's a little more general, but there are options out there. And you can reach out to Jessica and her team. They have amazing reviews. They do a very good job. So definitely reach out to Jessica. I like how you bring me down to earth. I'm like, enterprise level, you're like, come back down to earth, Jessica. You're like my string to planet earth. We want to help everybody. I, I think we really nailed everything we were looking to talk about. We wanted to talk about how the MarTech industry is changing and how technology is becoming a bigger force on teams and how that needs to also be reflected in teams. And ultimately, you're not going to know everything. So go ahead and reach out to someone you trust and an expert, whether that's going more of an SMB style where you're using people you know or more of an enterprise style and getting that recruiting or managed service to help you. Yes, we did as usual. And thank you again, as always, Jessica, for helping me put this together. We did a lot of work front. I think this will be another incredibly valuable episode for everybody listening. Of course, links in the show notes, links on the site, put Jessica's email in there. We'll put Jessica's homepage in there so you can go check out what they're up to at Magnetic Hype and reach out to Jessica if you need anything. And if she can't help you, she will know someone who can. Thank you so much. It's been awesome. I'll talk to everyone soon. Thank you so much. Bye. Take care. Bye-bye.